You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Godzilla, King of the Monsters. What we are witnessing here is the return of Titans. How many of these things are there? 17 and counting. That's messed up. Then, Kidora. Oh my. They're moving like a pack. They're hunting. They all respond directly to an alpha. We stop this Ghidorah. We stop them all. Is there another creature that might stand a chance against him? Godzilla free. Oh, yeah, sure. Let's bring him in for a beer. No, this time we join the fight. Run. Godzilla's world. We just live in it. Damn right. Alright everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and the story is as follows. Members of the cryptozoological agency Monarch face off against a battery of god-sized monsters, including the mighty Godzilla, who collides with Mothra, Rodan, and his ultimate nemesis, the three-headed king, Ghidorah. When these ancient superspecies thought to be mere myths rise again, they all vie for supremacy, leaving humanity's very existence hanging in the balance. The film is starring Kyle Chandler, Vera Farmiga, Millie Bobby Brown, Bradley Whitford, Sally Harkins, Charles Dance, Thomas Middletich, Asia Hines, O'Shea Jackson Jr., David Stratham, Ken Watanabe, and Zhang Zi. It is directed by Michael Daughtry, and it is co-written by Zach Shields. Join me for this review. I have Josh Parm. Hello, hello. Beatrice Loiza. Hey, everyone. And Katie Schaefer. Hello. All right, so uh, long may he reign. The yeah. king. The one true king. Sort of. <laughs> Look at the land, Godzilla. Everything the light touches is our kingdom. <laughs> yes. I don't know how many jokes I could possibly make within this podcast, but I'm sure of it there are some that are uh, coming in this case because Lord knows that uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters is not meant to be taken all that seriously. And if the screenplay and uh, lack of realistic human characters in this movie was not enough to convince you. I don't know what will, but that's not what we're here for, right? As many people online keep telling us, we are here to see giant monsters fight each other. So does Godzilla, King of the Monsters, the uh, sequel to the 2014 film directed by Gareth Edwards, does it ultimately deliver on what it promises? I'm going to pass it off first to Josh Parham. Well, you know, for me, I went into this movie with one wish. And as you mentioned, Matt, it was basically just to see giant monsters fight each other. And 
for the most part, when this movie is that, I think it is very entertaining. Yes, there are human characters in this movie that are pretty flat and uninteresting, but I think if you go into this film expecting that from the beginning, it won't bother you quite as much. And when it does get to these giant spectacles, I think they're very well done. I think they're very well shot and executed. The monster design is really interesting. And there were times when the action was going and I was having a really good time with it. So it's nowhere near perfect. Not going to say that at all. It's not winning any Oscars probably, but for a big, loud, dumb movie, I admit I did have enough of a good time with it. Definitely big, definitely loud, and emphasis, definitely dumb. Yeah. Does that yeah. continue with Beatrice? <laughs> what did you think of Godzilla, King of the Monsters? Uh, <laughs> I mean, okay, so I'm not, I don't really have a background in, in Godzilla. I, I mean, I've seen some of the older ones, but like, it's, you know, not near and dear to my heart, like like some fans of of the franchises, but, um, I don't know. I, I remember having kind of high expectations for it because I liked the Gareth Edwards version fine. Like, I didn't think it was a revelation, but I thought it was, had some interesting beats to it. The performances, especially in the first half were interesting. And I don't know, like, I remember seeing the trailer for this one and I was like, Oh man, is this going to be good? This looks like it's going to be good. I don't know. It like completely caught me up. I don't know. Emotionally, it felt like it was going to be even a step forward from the Gareth Edwards one. But, oh, my God, this one was just too, too dumb. <laughs> like, the dialogue was so terrible. And, like, the human storyline that they, I don't know, attached to it was just, oh, it was so cringeworthy. As well as some performances from from actors that I normally like fine like Vera Farmiga and Millie Bobby Brown like I'd normally like them fine but I thought they were pretty bad here <laughs> so uh I I didn't like it I thought it was it was bad <laughs> <laughs> all right Katie what about you um you know Beatrice did mention some of the older uh Godzilla films before um I and I apologize that I didn't get to ask uh you Josh Beatrice about that aspect of it uh what, we'll start with you, I guess, Katie. Uh, what has your history been like with the uh, Godzilla franchise, and what did you ultimately think of this latest one? So I haven't seen, before the last, I don't know, two weeks, I hadn't seen much Godzilla. I've watched it on Mystery Science Theater, of course, and I'm aware of the culture of Godzilla because I'm a huge nerd and I attend nerd conventions, so I see a lot of Godzilla fans. Uh, but this past two weeks, I have watched... I watched the 1998 Godzilla, which, whoo, boy. And then I I, I rewatched um, the Gareth Edwards one last night after I got done watching King of the Monsters. And I got to say that King of the Monsters is the best one of any of those three that I've watched. Oh, like, okay, yeah. The thing about Godzilla is that over time, this franchise has kind of become a, to idealize big giant monster fights and there's almost no ones that have an interesting human story unless you're going back to like the original Godzilla is my understanding of it anyway. So that's what I went in with the expectation of like these humans are just here to give us set up for the giant monster fights. And it did that just fine. It's 
that's not what I went for. I went to see the monsters and how well it was animated, how well they did the lighting and all of that stuff was what I was interested in seeing. And I thought all of that was really well done. Like the special effects are gorgeous. I watched this on IMAX and just was like, wow, this is entertaining to watch these monsters kick each other's asses. <laughs> so, I mean, I totally agree. The characters are flat. Like, the acting is okay. They do their best with the work they're given. Um, it's. I did enjoy that they made a tiny mention of the environmental aspect, which is something that's associated with Godzilla and has been for since the first movie. So, I... I Gotta say, I probably enjoyed it the best out of all of you. But I, I did watch 1998 Godzilla, and if any of you have seen that, that is garbage. <laughs> I mean, it's a blatant Jurassic Park ripoff if I've it ever is. seen one. It is. Oh my god, it was so bad. So, uh, and I, and then when I watched the one last night, like that one is just so boring. Like nothing happens for a long time, and the characters are just plodding through the storyline and it's like well, where's my monster fights here i want to see some monster fights i actually retweeted uh the other day because i rewatched the 2014 version which i hadn't seen since i saw it in the theater and i thought to myself did i not give this movie a fair shake because i know a lot of people really like it and i wasn't the biggest fan of it at the time so i thought uh, let me sit back down and give this another shot and i i still maintain that the film is actually at its peak when Brian Cranston is alive. <laughs> and then yeah, after that, the whole movie just goes downhill, yep. which is unusual because that's when Godzilla actually comes into the narrative and he starts, you know, kicking ass and fighting and so on and so forth. And, you know, you say to yourself, well, that's what we're here for, right? We're here to see Godzilla do his thing. And I think that you need to have a balance between the two. You need to have human characters that we can relate to, that we care about, and they need to be the ones to help drive us through the story that just so happens to involve Godzilla fighting and doing his thing. And I think this film came very, very close to that because on paper, the story of uh, this family, Kyle Chandler, Vera Famiga, Millie Bobby Brown, and uh, the death of their son, which occurs back in the 2014 uh, version, it's actually a strong thorough line. Like, conceptually on paper, that is a really good narrative driving force to tell a very human story about uh, these characters that can help uh, us through Godzilla King of the Monsters. The issue is that there's just too many plot inconsistencies, holes, leaps in logic that the film just runs out of goodwill for me after a certain point. And I, and I just can't help but ask questions that... I understand we're supposed to suspend our disbelief. I totally get that while watching this. And this is supposed to just be big blockbuster, dumb entertainment. But I think they're trying to have it both ways with this. Like you mentioned before, Katie, the environmental aspect. There's actually, um, you know, some real commentary that they're trying to introduce to, into this to make it more grounded and more serious. And then this uh, human story about this family. And then on top of that, they want to cram in humor that never lands. No, ever. So bad. I don't think a single <laughs> laugh ever happened in my theater with any of the lines that were meant to generate a laugh. I, there's one line about a fortune cookie that I just was like, are you fucking kidding me oh, while watching so it? Bad. Uh, <laughs> that was bad. I will say, though, that my audience was very receptive to Bradley Whitford, though. Really? I, I mean, sure, maybe. Uh, but there, then there's one part where I feel like they cast Bradley Woodford maybe because they couldn't get anybody else or they just wanted to work with him because he has one line where he says he wants to have like kids someday. And I'm like, was this supposed to be written for a younger actor? Like, I don't know. It just 
it just seemed very, very weird to me. Uh, but anyway, going back to my original point is I definitely feel like this film is all over the place, both in terms of characterization, in terms of plot, in terms of striking the balance between the action and the drama. It, it literally is trying to do too much all at once. And I think that had the film been stripped down from 132 minutes to, say, 90 minutes, and they just brought this cast down, because this is a huge cast, huge cast, if they had just like cut this cast in half, you could have had stronger characterization and you could have then focused uh, you know, more emphasis on uh, the, the things that people really do want to come to this film to see, which is Godzilla kicking some ass. Yeah, I, I definitely think that this movie is way too long. I, there's no reason why this thing needed to be over two hours. And I think that that bloat, especially with the human characters, which will, I will agree with you, are not very interesting. That totally takes away from a lot of enjoyment that you can get out of this film. I, I will grant you that. But I, I don't know, Matt. I think the movie does have some understanding that that's not really what you're here to see. And I think that there is a lot of times in these big, uh, like big budget blockbusters that there is this obligation to give the audience some kind of connection to human characters. And while I wish it wasn't as prevalent as it is in this movie, I do think the film does at least understand that that kind of is the minimum work that it has to do so that when it does get to those monster fights, that is kind of where the all that's where all the attention is. And I think that the film does have at least a little bit of a recognition of that. But don't you just feel like certain characters or actors, rather, like Sally Hawkins, O'Shea Jackson Jr., David Strafen, like they're, they're just completely wasted in this? Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that like everybody is utilized to their full effect in this film, you know, not saying that at all. But I just think that those scenes didn't really bother me quite as much as maybe did for others, because I, I think maybe I just realized that I was never going to get a great human drama in this story, especially considering what these movies usually have done in the past. And I think maybe if you just set your expectation to not expect it, you might be able to tolerate it a bit more. Mm, right. Like a lot of the filler characters, they also didn't really bother me because they were so blatantly fillers. But I don't know, for me, the whole like emotional family storyline with, um, you know, Vera Farmiga, Millie Bobby Brown and Kyle Chandler. I just could have done entirely without that. <laughs> um, I the one character I actually really enjoyed was Ken Watanabe, uh, who played yeah. Dr. Sarazawa, who's the one holdover from the Gareth Edwards version. He oh, was, Sally Hawkins too. Oh yes, yes, Sally Hawkins. Oh man, but they really do her dirty. Not yeah. to spoil anything. <laughs> she doesn't have yeah. sex with Godzilla in this movie. I, 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 I'm, I'm <laughs> But, you know, Ken Watanabe has a scene uh, towards the end of the film that actually I think might be the film's best. And it harkens back to the 1954 original, uh, which I really, really liked and appreciated. It it almost reminded me of Sunshine. (laughs) I was expecting like somebody to get on the radio and be like, Doctor, tell me, what can you see? (laughs) You know? But uh, no, it was it was really it was well done. I, I, at least that moment was well done, I felt like. And um, I don't want to get into spoilers or anything like that. But yeah, no, it was good. Yeah. And he's like the only character that really has the proper, I don't know, awe of Godzilla that like kind of convinces you of how 
sort of crazy this is because there are some of the scenes when like the monsters are fighting and people are just scurrying underneath and you're just like are they aware like how close they are like i don't know i just felt (laughs) felt very aware of just like the cgi like green screen or whatever the fuck they do to like you know put these characters in, in, in the situation it just i don't know ken watanabe was good he's he's a salvaging part of it in terms of the visual effects, you know, I, I think that they're good to a certain point. One thing that I definitely noticed a lot with this particular movie, though, was that they employed a lot. And I mean, I think every single scene, probably a lot of weather effects to hide some of the details in the CGI. Mm. There's a lot of rain. There's a lot of uh, dust and cloud. Uh, there's lightning. And, you know, it, it, a lot of it takes place at night. There's even a scene in Antarctica that deals with snow. And I just kept thinking to myself the entire time, I feel like these visual effects artists, like, took maybe... Like, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. It's cool. And it adds, actually, a unique element to the film that there's so much uh, weather utilization. And that does also tie it back into maybe the environmental uh, aspect of the film that it's trying to make a commentary on. But at the same time, I just kept thinking to myself, I feel like these visual effects artists did this deliberately to take maybe an easy way out of giving us uh, more detailed, fully rendered visual effects at times. Right. Like on the one hand, it had a very like painterly look to it that was kind of impressive. But I don't know. It To me, it also erased all of the specificity of, of like the cities that we were actually in. Like everything was a post-apocalyptic setting. Um, but I don't know, compared to the 2014 Godzilla, where you kind of get more of a sense of, you know, the evacuation and like the human toll. This one was just kind of like, yeah, everyone's gone. It's the apocalypse. It's crazy. (laughs) The weather's crazy and there's monsters everywhere. It just didn't, I don't know, have a, it lacked that little... I don't know, aspect of realism that... All they need is one line in the screenplay. Uh, we've evacuated the city, and it's like, okay, I guess they have. <laughs> no, it's completely empty. <laughs> no, they say yeah. that. They say that several times. There's several scenes where they show I'm evacuating people out of the cities. So I think it was... But I totally agree with the C- with your CGI comments. Like, there's a little too much weather, you know? Yeah. That they use to hide that stuff. And I, but I did enjoy like the. What did you guys think of the monster fights? Because that's really what Godzilla is about. And I want to know what you thought of the CGI and that, and like how they set up those relationships. Because even without throughout this, like the monsters have relationships with each other, mm. and I was interested <laughs> in that part of it. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't know about this part. Like, and that's all I, I could tell watching this that there is a ton of fan service in this and I just couldn't see it. But there are so many hints at like with how they use the camera shots and how characters react to things that I was like, okay, this must be something in the Godzilla lore that I'm just not aware of. But what did you all think of the monster fights? Cause that's, that I thought they did so very, very well. It was better than Transformers. I'll give it that. Oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, come on. I mean, I mean, yeah, sure. But I think that these fights are fantastic. I, I will completely admit that there were many times during those fight sequences that I was just having such a good time. And yeah. really, that's, to me, what I came for the movie for. And Sure, you can maybe argue that that's like a, a basic need, but you know what? Every once in a while, you just want to watch a movie where you're just having fun, and that's your only concern. And I thought all of those sequences were really well done, well executed. The 
the kind of framing selection they had, the music, all of that just worked so well for me. I just had such a great time when the movie kind of just gave into its own uh, instincts and just became a big monster brawl. And they just were a ton of fun for me. I agree. The music in particular, I thought the music was really well chosen for this because they're trying to make, they were trying to go with this big epic feel to everything. And it's a, it's a lot, I will say that, but I was, I was digging it that they were just going for absolute global scale with this movie. And that's kind of, I thought they succeeded really well in that and making it feel really, really big. I think that any scene involving Godzilla himself, whether he's fighting, swimming, roaring, emoting, doesn't matter. I think that they have done Godzilla extremely proud in terms of giving us a big monster that doesn't have, you know, what you would say a quote unquote personality so much. But at the same time, there's enough there for us to connect with this big giant lizard and root for him. And it's it's really well done. I have to admit that. Um, What I actually was more impressed by, though, in this particular uh, film was the level of personality that they gave to King Ghidorah. And ultimately building him up to be, for me, I I thought a very great antagonist uh, to Godzilla. And and so when those two clashed, I I thought it was the most epic shit ever. (laughs) It was really, really fantastic. Uh, And and it's funny, too, because I I was thinking a lot about uh, how they give personality to uh, Drogon in Game of Thrones, which is a dragon character, for those that don't somehow watch that. (laughs) And Watching uh, that here also play out, especially like there's a scene or a moment where Ghidorah like kind of reacts to, I don't want to say his other two heads, but I don't know any other way how to say it. But just the the level of personality that goes into, uh, you know, designing that creature and giving him uh, just somewhat of a bit of a personality as vague as it might be. It, it registered for me and really made me go, you know what? Yeah, that's a. That's a really, really well built up antagonist. Yeah, I yes. agree. The monster, the King Ghidorah, was definitely my favorite. If that makes any sense, <laughs> but he was <laughs> he was effective. And actually, my favorite sort of battle scene was the one where they're in the sky and they're it's it's after they encounter Rodon, the like fire pterodactyl thing. Yeah, and they're like yeah. fleeing, and then they encounter Ghidorah through the clouds. It's it's really mm-hmm. impressive. I, I really enjoyed that scene. I was uh, half expecting, I, I don't want to, and I hope this isn't a spoiler for people, uh, but I'll just get this out of the way. Uh, King Kong uh, does not make a pronounced appearance in this film, which was something I was kind of hoping for throughout. That'll be the next one. I'm sure. You know, he's he's seen on like a screen at one point, uh, along with all the other monsters, but he's not actually in the movie. And all I kept thinking was, when is the moment going to happen where because they talk about how there's 17 of these titans throughout the earth. And I was like, when is the moment going to happen where Kong is just going to come out of nowhere and deliver that big, giant hell yeah moment that just gets the whole audience to erupt and immediately makes me bump this up two points, (laughs) you know, Uh, but. It didn't it didn't happen. And that's OK, I suppose, um, because, you know, as far as crossover is concerned, I, I mean, like, you know, I got a Bates Motel, Friday Night Lights, Stranger Things, Game of Thrones, West Wing, 
Silicon Valley crossover with this. And that's that's totally okay for me. <laughs> did you guys stay till the very end? Yeah, I did. Okay. Somebody pointed out to me that there was something and I thought it would be once again, I thought it'd be King Kong again. So I was like, Ooh, let me stay. That's what I thought too. I but... thought it was gonna be Kong as well. Yeah. Instead, it was Tywin Lannister just <laughs> doing Tywin Lannister. Well, things. Yeah. My friend that I was with said that it would be like robot Godzilla or something like that. Some robot Mecha version. Godzilla. Yeah, that, that, that. God, I'm revealing how little I know. <laughs> <laughs> I got to ask this question because this was maybe the most surprising element of the movie to me. And hey, you know what? Read into my personality however you want after I say this. But did anyone else here besides me agree with Vera Farmiga's reasoning? That is a loaded question, my dude. <laughs> well, the thing I would say about that, though, is I feel like we have seen many films that have used that motivation for a character of basically the only way to save the Earth is to kill all the humans on it. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's one of those arguments that kind of has a logic to it if you don't think about it too hard, but I think... It's also been kind of seen in other stories before. And usually the character who's putting that forward is the villain, the arch villain of the whole plot. Like that's a that's a James Bond, uh, you know, antagonist right there. And I was like, well, I get your point. But that's a high cost. My my. That's what. <laughs> well, but it wasn't like it wasn't like put forward to be outwardly evil this is somebody that really uh actually believes that what they're doing is for the greater good and it also isn't like we're gonna round up a bunch of people and just straight up execute them they, she views it more as like collateral damage and yes it's a great loss uh but this is what needs to be done in order to you know bring about uh a long withstanding life back to the earth and uh, I, you know i i i <laughs> You know, maybe 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 saying fully agrees is, is a bit strong. Uh, I, I will say that I think she made good points. How's that? <laughs> sure, sure. And I I think I would also say that that to me is another example of the movie kind of using elements that are kind of familiar to just do the minimum work required to get you through the plot. Like it's it works for the movie, but it is. A kind of familiar concept that we've seen before and i think they do a good enough job to sell it with these characters but i will admit when i heard it it's like okay i, I get what you're <laughs> doing movie and I, I can roll with it but this is still only here to get me to the next fight and i yes. was okay with it but i can understand why other people would be frustrated by that well i was just gonna say i personally thought it it was really silly and i was unconvinced um i was confused it just like came out of left field it was just like oh i have a note here in all capitals bigger than anything i wrote on my entire note page and it just says why did she do that <laughs> right and it just like because at the beginning before she like makes the big reveal that this is her plan the film sets us up to think that like her big gripe is the fact that she lost her son in the 2014 version, that's how the film opens. You know, you see her and Kyle Chandler, you know, lose their other child. And that's kind of why their family is so fractured. And so, like, you know, I was kind of under the impression that this would be, like, her main emotional strain. And so when she just reveals that, I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just 
does, like, is that connected somehow? Is it like revenge against Godzilla? She wants to like unleash Ghidorah because fuck Godzilla, you killed my son. I don't know. Well, it's all it's all it's all about control, right? They think right. that they can uh, establish a degree of control over these events and bring about you know a, a great. A, a, a great peace. Uh, God, I feel like I'm quoting Mission Impossible Fallout. Great suffering, great peace. Um, <laughs> but uh, in any event, I, I actually think that that might have been maybe a, a theme also in the film was this idea of control, which, you know, to Josh's point, yeah. another basic theme that we've seen play out before. Uh, but when you're dealing with larger-than-life godlike beings, that is undoubtedly or are undoubtedly uh, greater than the human species as the dominant species on this planet. It's it's within our nature to not relinquish control and immediately bow down, but to find ways to somehow take that back. I could see it. I agree that this, this movie really tries to at least be seen to explore uh these deeper concepts but it's really it's total window dressing but good on them for trying because a lot of times they don't even go that far Mm -hmm. and so i was i was like oh okay we're going way out there with these ideas that are really hard to justify and the only way you can really accept them is if you do not in any way look at them logically yeah so like because when she said that the earth will die i was like no will die Humanity will die. Earth will keep going. It'll be fine. It will redo its own thing. Like, it doesn't need us on it. So the question is really, do you want to save humanity or do you want to save the planet? Because the planet doesn't need our help. Thanks, though. It it will continue on in some form. It it just means you're just killing us. That's what (laughs) it is. You're just eradicating humanity. That's the whole point of it. And so... The only time when it really, the storyline really got to me was when I was like, oh, now we're just going to accept this lady who was like, yeah, let's just kill off billions of people. That'll be cool. And now all of a sudden, oh, hi, mom. Oh, I love you, mom. I was like, no, you don't go from saying you're a monster to, hey, it's cool. I love you. I missed you. Yeah, I I feel like the ending there, uh, they were trying to get an emotional response from us that I felt like was the wrong one to go for yeah. uh and i yeah the whole thing was her fault <laughs> <laughs> right i saw some people around me that were getting like a little emotional and choked up and i i just i at a certain point i i, I was like I, I i don't know i don't that doesn't one good deed does not wash out all of this <laughs> you know right so right. in any event like i said this movie's all over the place i think we're up to final thoughts now and great out of 10 so beatrice i'll pass it off to you anything that we did not talk about with godzilla king and the monsters or anything that you want to reinforce for those listening um not really i think you guys understand how i feel <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh i'm unfortunately have to give it a three out of ten all righty josh Barm. um okay <laughs> I think I've already said that this is a movie that you kind of need to go in with a certain amount of expectation to uh, of certain elements for this film. And I will cop to the fact that this movie doesn't have great characters in it and that the story is pretty silly and oftentimes actually doesn't make any sense logically. But I will admit that that all kind of went out the window for me whenever I saw the action sequences. And I think that those scenes are good enough, especially to watch them on a really big, massive screen, 
that I personally was entertained enough that I could get into it. So I feel like I'm going into the firing squad. I'm about to say, (laughs) but I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Oh, yeah. wow. I like the movie. That's a lot higher than I thought. I thought you were going to say a 6 even. Holy I hell. Guess too. The movie is big and dumb. It really is. It's a dumb movie. But when those action sequences happened, I literally was saying, like, fuck yeah, in my seat all by myself. And that's <laughs> that's got to count for something. So... I'm a sucker for big disaster schlocky movies like this a lot of times. And I just had way too much fun with it for me to not really recommend it. So yeah, I liked it. Sorry. (laughs) I did not think I would see today when Josh Parham would rate Godzilla King of the Monsters higher than Rocket Man. But that is for another podcast that is coming later this week. (laughs) We we will get to that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Okay. Katie. Well, I'm in the same boat as Josh. Like, I, I understand that this is a Godzilla movie, and that's kind of how I went into it. And I wanted to see a big spectacle, and a big spectacle is what I got. So I was really, I mean, I walked out of it, and I thought, that was fun. I enjoyed myself watching those monsters kick each other's ass. Like, and the human, the human's storyline was good enough. Good enough. It got us going to the plot. And once things really kicked off, I didn't really care very much about it anymore. And But in the beginning, it was really painful at certain points. So I think if you like big spectacles, then this is a movie for you. And it is definitely something to see on the biggest screen with the best sound possible because it is just huge and over the top. So I'm going with Josh here. And it's a seven out of 10 for me. Oh, my gosh. You know, sometimes I ask myself, should we do like uh, a combined average rating score? And it's like if we just put all our scores together, that is the definitive MVP score for a movie. Uh, I mean, it's pretty crazy. Uh, and and, it, and I do want to say it, it's a seven out of 10 for a Godzilla film. Exactly. Like that. that's the important thing is that whenever you grade a movie, not all grades are made equal. And you have yes. to like just because I give this a seven out of ten does not mean it's equatable right directly to another seven out of ten i might give this is a good movie for what it is basically trying to do and i walked out entertained it sounded like you walked out entertained too katie and that's the reason why it gets that kind of a score right i think that so far the way things are divided there is there is sort of two camps there's like people that like the sort of monster bashing of the Godzilla franchise, like historically, you know, just appreciate the monster battles. And then there's the camp, which I consider myself, I I like the 2014 Gareth Edwards Godzilla. I like the slow burn of it and the tension. Yeah. The fact that it was kind of restrained with it, you know, how it showed showed its monsters. So my rating, I think, is relative to that. Um, So that's my additional explanation for myself yeah, I, I get that because i'm also somebody that didn't yeah i get that because i also did not like the 2014 godzilla very much so yep and i totally i feel the same way beatrice there's two kind of camps of of the on here and in general i think with people mm-hmm. who watch this movie so i totally get you and i can 100 percent see how 
if you really like the Gareth Edwards one, this one won't appeal to you and vice versa. Because mm. they're they're going at two totally different ideas of how to tell this story. And they do it well, depending on who you are. It's alien it's alien and aliens, essentially. <laughs> when you really break it down. Well, no, both of those are both of those are amazing though. Ah, well. <laughs> Everybody should love both of those movies. <laughs> yes. For another podcast. Well, my idea of a kaiju film that I really like is Colossal. So that's what I'm comparing this to, but uh <laughs> not really. But you know, it's it, ah, man, you know what? I think I just hold these films maybe to just uh, a higher standard because we have seen films of this nature that when they focus on character and a strong story it elevates the material and then the action scenes can be appreciated even more so so i'm glad that we actually had on this podcast both sides of the argument i'm actually really really happy about that i don't know if it would have been as entertaining of a podcast if we had just one side of the argument here so um, i really really appreciate having those different perspectives hopefully those that are listening can make up their own mind and ask themselves what do they want out of this movie uh for me i will definitely say that i acknowledge that if you're going for the big spectacle, the giant fight scenes and all of that, that is all well and good. This film will absolutely deliver. Uh, you just got to somehow push through the fact that it's over two hours long <laughs> in order to get there sometimes. And if you're going here for not like not that, but you want a story that you can connect to uh, with characters played by fantastic actors and hoping to see them be utilized well, uh, this is not going to give that to you. And that's what I look for all the time is characters and story. Uh, for me, spectacle sometimes can carry a film over and then sometimes it's just simply not enough you know i'm, I'm not a red Sox fan but this was a you know in this film a bad day to be a red Sox fan as well i thought it was a uh, kind of interesting <laughs> how they destroyed new york in one movie and now they're destroying uh boston in another right the last film did take place in new york right it wasn't like it was san francisco all right so maybe new york is coming yeah, i don't know yeah new york's coming yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah king kong king kong is a traditional new york place oh right you're right so there you go and that that's coming out in 2020 or 2021 no uh march 13th 2020 actually so we're we're gonna get it very soon they've already greenlit i i'm actually really excited for that movie uh you know good cast once again that are that's yeah adam wingard directing i i I could get down with it you know we'll see what happens yep but for the most part i think i'm at a point where the bar is just incredibly low for me so Hopefully that helps with over delivering. Uh, I went into this film with low expectations as well, and they weren't exceeded. Uh, They were pretty much met with what I anticipated. And sure enough, I am giving this a three out of ten as well. So two sevens, two threes. Wow. (laughs) House divided. Exactly. (laughs) (sighs) Well, but you know what? What's funny is that I don't think our opinions about the movie are actually that different. But I think our expectation of what we want from the film is different. And I think that to me is fascinating. Not necessarily the quality that we all perceive it as, but just what we get out of the film. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Oscar potential. Josh Parm, you said before this film will not get nominated for any awards. Could Godzilla King of the Monsters show up on the visual effects shortlist, though? That's the ultimate question, I think, that we have to ask ourselves. 
I mean, it definitely could. The fact that, I mean, Kong Skull Island got an Oscar nomination a couple of years ago, I think, you know, does bode well for its chances. I think that it definitely has a ton of effects in it. So, you know, it, it could, it might even get nominated for visual effects. Who knows? That branch can be kind of wacky sometimes. Um, but that's about as far as it'll get. Um, I would say, though, that I think the sound design is really great in this film. I loved all the like creature effects and I would love recognition for that, but who knows how far it'll get with that either. Yeah, like Mothra and, uh, as we said before, um, King Ghidorah, they like they have real personality that comes through in the sound design that they employ here. So I, I, I'm, I, I, you know what, I can, I'll get behind that, Josh. Yeah, I'm with you on, I'm with you on yeah. that. I think it's the same people that did the Lord of the Rings films too. Are you really trying to get on my good side now? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> what is this it's ridiculous anything i can do to help <laughs> <laughs> oh and one other thing i just want to point out before we go here every single human character in this movie is getting radiation poisoning just throwing that out there oh god yes definitely yeah. i couldn't believe that that was actually a plot element godzilla is emitting all this radiation and i was like so if any of these characters are in the sequel for Godzilla vs. Kong and they don't have like any makeup applied to them or something like that to give off the idea that they got radiation poisoning, I'm calling bullshit on this. <laughs> so, all right. And what the hell, by the way, is an oxygen destroyer bomb? Uh, like, uh, anyway. That's, that's a... Uh, Big bomb. That's a Godzilla reference. It is? That, okay. Some, yeah, that is a Godzilla fan reference. That That is where uh, the monster destroyer comes from. Okay. I just... <laughs> I'm I'm done. I'm done. We're done. We're, we're done with Godzilla. We're moving on. Signing off. <laughs> Where can everyone find you on the internet, Josh Parham? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at jrparham. Beatrice Louisa. Uh, on Twitter at Bia Louisa. Katie Schaefer. You can find me on Twitter at kt underscore Schaefer. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our divided review of Godzilla, King of the Monsters, <laughs> here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, that's the same thing, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Write us a comment. Let us know what you think of the show. Do you like the structure? Do you like us? Do you like our personalities? Man, positive feedback would be phenomenal give us five stars we really appreciate that but we also appreciate your support on patreon type in next best picture one dollar minimum a month will go towards us being able to give you more exclusive podcast content thank you so much for listening as always and we shall see you all next time 